Welcome to the Spectral Phenomena Podcast, your source for all things offbeat, strange, unexplained, and paranormal. Here are your hosts, Ken Sanner and Mustafa Sadiq. All right, Musa, let me ask you a question. Would you ever mess with a Ouija board? No. Oh, shit. See? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely me not. Neither. Okay. I, I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. Was that part of the episode? That was. Okay, good. Yeah. So, no, I don't. Mm-mm. Nope. I, so I it's, it's interesting you bring that up. I, um, my best friend's uh, wife uh, was like, I hadn't. I guess we were just mess. Uh, she was just messing with me or whatever. But she was like, uh, "Yeah, like you know, they we're talking about like uh, you know Ouija boards and like other stuff." And she was like, "You know, we should try it." I'm like, "No, uh, uh-uh, absolutely <laughs> not." I I'm 100 percent on board with you. 100. percent I, I would let, never. Remember that thing about like, um, uh, you know, the three types of knowledge, like the stuff you know, you know, the stuff you know, you don't know, and the stuff you don't know, you don't know. I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to venture into anything. It could be completely all, you know, fake. I don't care. Like, I am not accidentally opening the door to something that can wreck my life. See, but the thing is, I don't think it is all fake because exactly like you said, you're opening a door and it's not necessarily just the board. It's the idea. It's the intent behind it that you're trying to contact something. Yeah. And when you open that door to something, you don't really know that it's Aunt Fran. It could be anything. That's so. my that's my big thing. Like there's so much like uh like um uh like uh how do I say this? So we don't we have this idea. We feel like we well not we, like I feel like people have this understanding that when they use the board, they're going to open a portal to like the afterlife and they think it's linear, right? But the reason they think it's linear is because our minds, right, are are we we are three dimensional beings in a fourth dimension called time that we pass through, right? Like, right. but there's no uh, telling what other creatures or you know entities or whatever experience. And for us, for that, for whatever reason, the, our intent to open something or the acceptance of opening a door by that action may be opening something that you have no idea what it is. Um, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yep. That's the same thing and with like is- psychics and mediums and all that crap. I'm like, I feel that 90% of them are very, very uh, like, I mean, they're con artists, right? So they ask vague questions and give you vague answers. And then they're like, Oh my God, they, they gave us this. But, um, they like they they get, they ask you non-specific questions that are very generalizable, and then you know they they basically hone in the cone, right? And like they make right. the cone tighter and tighter with the information that you provide until finally they're like, oh my god, your uncle who loved to wear red, right? And you're like, oh yeah, he had that red flannel once, but like for you, they're like, oh my god, they have this information, and they're con artists. And then the other ten percent who may or may not like be you know legit i don't know um i'd like to see the evidence but like if they are legit then they are probably not advertising on craigslist right you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like well we could probably do a, an episode on all of those topics by themselves um, oh yeah but that's not what we're talking about tonight that was just a uh, kind of an off-the-cuff thing there so this is what i want you to do moose i want you to imagine this an experience Experienced Navy pilot and officer sees a strange object in the sky. This object is seen by another pilot, also on radar, and most importantly, it's captured on video. 
This is a very real story of some strange events that happened over the Pacific Ocean on November 10th, 2004, almost 10 years to the day today. Oh, sorry, not 10 years, 16 years. Either way, and they were observed <laughs> by the USS Nimitz Carrier Group from a cabin deep in the woods in central Maryland. Welcome back to Spectral Phenomena. Tonight, we dive into one of the most famous UAP slash UFO encounters, unidentified aerial phenomena, for those who don't know. The Tic Tac UAP has received media attention, the likes of which hasn't been seen in ufology since the Phoenix Lights in the 1990s. We are your hosts, Ken Sanner and Mustafa Sadiq. I think you're a plant by saying UAP. You think I was a plant? You're a plant. I am a You've plant. been undercover I'm all actually, along. You have no idea how much the government is paying me to do this right now. I, I mean, you got a pretty dope cabin, so, I mean. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so, this is a topic that uh, a lot of our friends who listen to the show that are familiar with UFOs or UAPs or whatever you want to count, call them probably are familiar with. And even if you're not big into ufology, you probably have heard of this because this made major news. This was in the Washington or this was in uh, the New York Times. This was in uh, Fox News ran stuff about it. You know, all the major media outlets ran stuff about the Tic Tac UFO. Um, it, it's really one of the biggest things to happen in ufology in our lifetimes. Um, like I said earlier, other than the Phoenix Lights, this is probably the most famous thing that's happened in the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. So what is a Tic Tac UFO encounter? Well, in 2004, off the coast of California, uh, there were a couple pilots flying uh, from the Nimitz Aircraft Carrier Group. Two of them were Chad Underwood and Commander David Fravor. Um, they were flying F-18 Super Hornet fighter jets, uh, so pretty legit fighter planes. I wouldn't want to get on the bad side of somebody flying an F-18. It was clear weather. Um, these are trained observers that are flying these aircraft. These aren't rookies. These guys have a lot of experience. They're very familiar with what's out in the sky. And as they're flying, uh, radar picked up some strange objects. So they were sent out to investigate. So on their investigation, they found these uh, white, smooth, egg-like or tic-tac-like objects um, that would start out at 80,000 feet, then dive down towards the sea, down to 20,000 feet, and then shoot way back up into the sky. And they'd make all kinds of crazy turns and stuff. And this is really important because we're talking about um, some kind of non-reactionary, non non-ballistic propulsion. There's no heat signatures. Basically, these things just moved at will. Um, and, and this is really important because in our understanding of physics, nothing can do that. That should not be possible. We don't have any kind of concept of something that can move like that, doing these rapid erratic changes in altitude and airspeed. It really baffled the pilots. And like I said before, these guys are super experienced. You know, these are not rookies. These are like hardened military men who have been flying jets for you know tens and dozens of years you know in one instance it went from 60,000 feet down to 50 feet and then took a 90 degree turn you know this is stuff that we really don't have an explanation for we, we really can't account for how anything can move like this and we'll talk about you know 
if this was a uh, one of ours, you know, how do you counter those G forces for a human being to make that kind of uh, movement and survive it? Uh, at one point, this object hovered over a white cross-shaped disturbance in the water, which promptly disappeared when they went to go check that out. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the term USO, un unidentified submerged object, which comes up in ufology a fair bit. But basically, it, it basically it shot up and down, left and right, 90 degree turns, all kinds of crazy stuff that we couldn't explain. And then to add to it, uh, this object also jammed the radar of the fighter jets, which is actually an act of an act of war. So it's not something that someone would just do lightly. You know, this is a pretty major event for someone to jam a, a military jet's radar. And then my favorite part of all of this, besides the fact that the Department of Defense and the Navy came out and said, yes, this is a real video, and no, we don't have any idea what it was, but the Department of Defense report actually said that the object possibly demonstrated the ability to cloak or become invisible to the human eye and might be able to operate undersea completely undetectable by our most advanced sensors. And, uh, you know, you just kind of take all that into account and think about what all this could mean, which we'll talk about, obviously, at the end of the show here. Um, but this is really wild stuff. You know, and, and the most important thing is that the Department of Defense and the Department of the Navy actually came out and said that these are real videos. This event actually happened, and they have no idea what it was. Um, and that doesn't leave us with very many comforting possibilities, and we'll talk about all the possibilities at the end of the show. But Moose, um, I know that was kind of a, a quick blow through of the subject matter there, but that's basically what happened. It was a, a very short event. Um, do you have anything you want to add to any of that? Uh, no, I, I think uh, you covered it pretty well. I think um, so. Anyone who's listening to this podcast is as, is probably interested in UFOs or um, uh, you know the UFO phenomena. They've probably heard um, David Fravor's story. So, um, what I want to do, just you know, and I think Ken agrees as well, is you know we're going to do a quick summary of this and you know what it could be, what it couldn't be. But uh, I just wanted to, for a second, uh, discuss the significance of the physics that we're talking about here. So everyone uh, at some point has probably sat in a car going decently fast on a highway, right? And off that highway, you have probably taken an exit off of the highway. And when you're turning, right, when you're turning off of that exit, you feel this weight on you, right? Uh, and that weight is carrying you as the vehicle's body is turning into and away from the path that you were following. Your body wishes to... Uh, continue on the original path. The you know the difference right is the uh, is the is the uh, is the force that you are feeling. Multiply that by you know if you were going a lot faster, the force experience that you're experiencing is also going to be a lot more. And as biological beings, there's only so much we can handle before that G force is um or you know that force is um detrimental to our bodily functions and the integrity of our body system um 
when you, I'm sure everyone has seen uh, the training that pilots or uh, you know astronauts go through the the, the spinning uh, evolutions. Um, there's a recent documentary about the Challenger missions on on Challenger mission on uh, uh, Netflix that has a great portrayal of it. And uh, the reason they put astronauts through that training is to uh, get them, you know, at least partly used to those increased g-forces. The speed that we're talking about here. If there is a biological entity within that, they have f figured out a way to not only travel at that speed, um, but then change directions at um, you know a minute or at a point without any any anything um, any anything uh, you know coming. So as we understand, we you know of the physics we know, if we want to go forward, we have to send something backwards. That's you know how a jet engine works. Um, this is nothing like we've ever seen. Um, it matter. Another significant point is they, I can't remember the exact number, but they said that the, the radar operators said that on a, uh, on a, they, these entities would commonly come down from 60,000 feet. It's not that they were hovering at 60,000 feet. It's that's the highest that the radar captured. And I'm not sure if you had that in the notes or not. Um, the, uh, p potentially this, these objects are coming up from higher than 60,000 feet, you know, outer space, uh, handling the change in atmosphere without any issue, right? And maintaining speed throughout, right? And uh, think of air as a fluid, right? They're passing through the fluid as the air becomes more dense. Through, a wa through water, which is even more dense than air, and not losing any energy. Um, uh, from a physics perspective, this is very, very interesting. But um, I'll turn it back over, Ken. Um, sorry about that little physics rant. No, I like it. Uh, and it, it's really a point that I wanted to make, and I'm glad you brought it up, because when we get into our theories, that's going to be really important, because it's, it's difficult, and um, it's difficult for me to impress on people how big of a deal that is. Because if, when you listen to, uh, if anyone listened to the interview with Commander David Fravor on Joe Rogan's podcast, he does such a great job of explaining how big of a deal this is. Because it is earth-changing. It is world-changing. If anybody on this planet has the ability to do that, nothing else anybody else does matters if they can't match that, uh, militarily speaking. Or if they're from somewhere else. It basically just means that everything we have, you know, defensive-wise, is useless. But we'll get into that in a, a few minutes. So, and I would like to I say that that is my primary source uh, for t the uh, the. Um, I mean, I don't know if David Ferrer's wrote a, wrote a book or anything, but um, Rogan's podcast and uh, Lex something I forget his name. Uh, that watched the, those two interviews. Um, yeah, and, I mean, from a you know, he's the primary observer with this, so I think it's very uh, uh, good to use that as uh, as sourcing. Well, assuming that David Fravor is not a disinformation agent, that is definitely the best source because that is an amazing interview that he did with Joe Rogan. And I cannot impress enough on people how great it is to go listen to that. Um, but there is a little related information I wanted to bring up. A few days earlier, 
a guided missile cruiser called the USS Princeton had actually been tracking eight to ten mysterious flying objects near the Catalina and San Clementine Islands in California. So this wasn't completely isolated. Um, there had actually been anomalous activity in the air uh, for several days prior to Commander David Fravor's uh, encounter with this uh, uh, entity or ship or whatever it was. And then, uh, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, the, the video of this was actually confirmed by both the Navy and the DOD. 2017, the Navy acknowledged the video. And then 2019, the DOD actually certified that the video is real. However, this video had actually made its way around UFO message boards on the Internet prior to that. As early as 2007, this video had been around. Uh, regardless, now we know it is definitely genuine, and it is uh, called the FLIR 1 video. This other thing, I had to do a little, I did a little digging on this, and I couldn't get a whole lot of information, but I thought this was interesting, and this is totally word of mouth, and I have no idea, you know, if there's more than one source for this, but... According to a gentleman named Gary Voorhees, who claims that he was a sailor on one of these ships, for several days prior to this encounter, strange radio signatures were recorded, and a helicopter showed up to the ship uh, in the Nimitz carrier group where they had recorded these signatures, and some men came off the helicopters and instructed the sailors to erase the tapes of these radio signatures. So... I don't know if you want to add anything to that before I move on to some other videos here that are important, Moose. That's interesting because David said that, um, you know, David Favre said that not, nothing of the sort occurred. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. But yeah. Maybe they paid him off. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's total BS. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But it is interesting, and it's something you might stumble upon if you're researching this. So there are two similar videos uh, that the Navy has released that have both been uh, certified by the Navy and appear to show similar incidents, and they're all from uh, the same kind of time frame. So in 2015, an official U.S. Navy video uh, taken aboard a Navy fighter jet from the nuclear aircraft carrier the USS Theodore Roosevelt off the eastern seaboard near the Florida coast shows a rotating object flying against the wind, which is blowing at 120 knots. It's the gimbal video. You may have heard of the gimbal video. The other video is the go-fast video. This again was in 2015, another Navy fighter jet uh, from the USS Theodore Roosevelt uh, also near Florida, and it shows an object moving rapidly against the water. Now, the, the uh, gimbal, the go fast, the FLIR one, all of these were taken by pilots on F 18 Super Hornets. Uh, and according to Joe Rogan, or excuse me, according to Commander, da Commander David Fravor on the Joe Rogan podcast, seeing these types of objects are not infrequent. And not that every pilot sees one every time they go up in the air. Uh, but it's not unknown for pilots to run into this kind of stuff when they are flying. So, any thoughts before we move on to conclusions and theories, Moose? I think, I think, I mean, it's not, 
So I guess it should be clarified that one of those videos, like David was in, in San Diego, right? Off the coast of San Diego. Uh, the other video is yeah. off the East coast, right? And it, right. the and, other two were off the East coast. Yeah. yeah. And the, and, uh, uh, now, I mean, yeah, I, well, once we get the conclusions, I'll, I'll okay. say more. All right. So we're going to break down some conclusions, our theories. The first one is that it is our technology. And when I say our, I don't necessarily just mean the United States. I mean humanity in general. Some thoughts on that. Number one, this would be an unprecedented advancement, which would change everything about our world. I want you to really think about this. These things can outmaneuver our most technologically advanced fighter jets. They can make moves at speeds that we can't even begin to comprehend. You could move somebody from one country to another in the blink of an eye. I mean, this is stuff that would completely, I mean, invalidate the airline industry, invalidate, you know, the Air Force as we know it. There's just nothing known related to this on Earth. We don't even have theories that can explain for how these things move and how they can turn and accelerate and stop suddenly and start suddenly with no reactionary propulsion. You know, this is not jet technology. This is something far above that. You know, a lot of people talk about magnetism and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. You know, we're, we're talking something well above our understanding. As Moose touched on earlier, uh, there's massive G-forces that would have to be overcome. Uh, I don't think I need to get any more into that. I think you did a really good job with that. Um, it would totally revolutionize physics. You know, if you think about, most of us probably don't have a great understanding of physics, myself included. But one of the few things we, we probably remember and understand is that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that is not true with these craft. These craft just go and they just stop. They go up, they go down. They go left, they go right. And that doesn't, you know, basic principles of physics that we understand don't seem to apply to these craft, at least in a way that we're familiar with, you know, not in a way we can observe and measure. So this is really big. And then my last point with the uh, idea of this being one of our, our technologies, any nation possessing this technology could easily dominate all other nations, hands down, no question. So unless this technology is solely in the hands of a truly altruistic country, you pretty much have a situation where one nation could destroy all others unopposed. Uh, it, it wouldn't even be a contest. I mean, this would be massive. So, um, you know, if China had it or Russia had it or even us in the United States, I, I think you're really looking at a situation where there's a possibility of a country being able to exert its will against all others with no repercussions. And I think that would be very tempting for any country to do at any time. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So who's any thoughts on this being our technology? I think, uh, well, no, mm -mm. I don't, I, I don't, I just, I mean, I don't know what I don't know. Right. I'm a paramedic. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a rocket scientist or anything like that, but I mean, I feel like, 
if if someone had it, it would be the government. And if the go a government had it, any government, they'd probably be. Eventually, it would fall into the hands of someone that is ambitious enough to start using it on other people. Because uh, right, you know, yeah, yeah. I just I don't have enough faith in any government on this earth, including our own, to not use it to dominate others. And exactly. That hasn't happened. And yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it. Or with our, our crony capitalists and a disclaimer for those not familiar with the term, I don't have a problem with capitalism, but crony capitalism is something different. Nature of our society, you would think that it would be sold off to aerospace companies where they could make a massive profit flying people around the world in 30 seconds. So, and, and that's my thing. If it was private industry, then what benefit do they get in, you know, not, uh, not selling it to the highest bidder? Um, right. Now, it might be a super classified thing that, like, maybe they have sold it to the highest bidder and those bidders are just happen to be the governments. Uh, but again, at what point does the, um, you know, the governments decide that they're going to uh, utilize it? Now, I will say this. Um, the We're not really at a point where, like, a unilateral... Um, so this technology, if a country was to have it, I don't see there being a benefit in this technology alone. I mean, obviously, it would you'd be able to dominate any airspace or whatever, but um, uh, I don't see it. It by itself, I don't see it benefiting you know one country to be able to dominate the world. What I would say is, if you have the ability to understand physics like this, you probably have the ability to fi- understand a bunch of other stuff. A bunch of right. other, um, uh, you know, technology that would then assist in dominating. Uh, and I don't th- even. I feel like if a there's no point in playing your ace if a you know a deuce will suffice, right? So um, th- that might be a possibility that you know maybe governments do have it, but there's no point in using it. Like um, the nuclear option is never the best option, right? Um, and uh, with because what I'm saying is with that logic, um, with that logic of if the governments have it, why haven't they used it? Uh, a a skeptic, um, and uh, I, I guess I've never really thought about it this before, um, but a skeptic could say that, well, they may have it and just have not found the need to use it. So that could be a possibility. So I do revert my previous uh, uh, opinion of what I said regarding if I do I think it's ours or not, maybe like a 1% chance. So I'll counterpoint that because the nuclear option may not be the best option, but what about something better than the nuclear option? Because if you have something like this and you're going up against a nuclear capable power, and that's, you know, we had the, the Cold War mutually uh, assured destruction. But if you have something like this, there should be no issue intercepting a ballistic missile mm-hmm. and destroying it far before it ever comes near your country. And I, I think you have the ability to completely cripple a country without having any possible reproduction repercussions. Because who's to say you can't put bombs on these things and just blow the crap out of somebody else's country? And because of the nature of this technology, you don't have any concern about them ever coming over here because what are they going to do? Come over on a boat? We'll blow up the boat. Come over on an airplane? We'll blow up the airplane. Shoot a missile? We'll shoot shoot down the missile. Whatever. You know? Yeah, um, I, I think fair. if you have some kind of technology like this, you basically become impervious to any threat other than maybe a land invasion, which isn't to say you couldn't, you know, blow that to hell either, you know? 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can see that. Just a, a thought. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so move on to the next thought. Aliens, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals, ultra-terrestrials. Well, we know that this technology is very difficult to explain in earthly terms, and this is probably the easiest explanation just because it's easy to just say it's aliens. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we, we can't conceive of a way that this is ours, so it's from somewhere else. And maybe that's all there is to it. What do you think of that? I mean, yeah, possible, possibly, possibly. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for, I'll wait for uh, my turn to tell you what I think it is. Okay. Well, not what I think it is, just something thought-provoking. But yeah, continue. Okay. Well, I've got two more theories, and then if you have uh, something to add, I'll be happy to hear what you have. The next idea is that it is just disinformation. None of this is real. The videos are faked. They're paying off David Fravor and all these other people to come out and say they saw this stuff and we don't have it. Why? Maybe they just want to convince other governments that we have stuff that we don't. It's just a fake technology. Maybe the entire UFO phenomenon is uh, false and it's an attempt to cover up secret technologies to keep people from looking into real stuff. Maybe the government just likes to mess with us because they're tricksters. That'll come up again in our final episode of the season. So that's my disinformation theory, Moose. What do you think? So that's why I think that it could be disinformation, but not exactly the way we think. So um, it just seems really convenient. I'm not saying anyone's like lying or anything like that. It just seems very convenient that of all the times that I just the stance that the United States government appears to have taken in the past, you know, 50, 60, 100, you know, since the, you know, probably, let's say at post-World War II, why would they now come out and say that we don't know what these things are, um, but they, uh, we know, we are acknowledging that they're real, right? Um, maybe it is like everyone says, and it's such a widespread phenomenon to our military that maybe we are doing like soft disclosure or something like that. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I just it, a little bit seems too good to be true. Um, maybe it's something in between. You know, maybe uh, Fravor did see something. Uh, I mean, which I mean, I, I he, I don't know. I, I I like to think that he's being honest, right? Um, and seeing something, but you know, I feel like there's various levels of gray in between um, him lying and him being honest, right? It could there could be possibilities of you know some sort of manipulation where um that whatever that was was a plant um or maybe it was something extraterrestrial i just um yeah i don't know it's very interesting sorry yeah no no go ahead go you're good i was just saying you're completely right and the thought had also occurred to me that and, and this is a theory that's out there that maybe this is one of ours and they were just testing it to see how our pilots would react and commander fravor's reaction and testimony is 100% accurate mm-hmm. but we don't know the you know there's something else on the back end or who knows maybe it is disinformation but he's still being honest maybe it was a hologram that he saw you know like that could be that's not outside the realm of possibility you know they could have been projecting holograms that they saw um 
I just had a like a, a flash image in, in my head to the Battle of Los Angeles, which I would love to talk to you about sometime. Um, are you familiar with that? I am. I am familiar. Yes. Okay. We'll have to talk about that. Um, okay. <laughs> my last last uh, theory here is that this was mistaken in identification by the pilots. They're moving at high speeds. It could create the impression that things are moving in ways they aren't. Honestly, to me, you're talking about experienced combat veteran Navy pilots who have been flying these things for longer than I've been a paramedic, maybe as long as I've been alive. It just seems unlikely to me. I think when they get in that cockpit and they launch off the aircraft carrier and they're flying around at Mach 1 or whatever it is they're doing, they know what they're seeing. They've seen plenty of stuff. I just don't buy this as misidentification, especially because there's a freaking video of it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree. That I, I'm uh, you ha- couldn't have, couldn't have said it better. My, the it better right? I, I agree. I that is not a viable option. <laughs> right. Like yeah, uh, they mean, don't just they don't just get to you know fly you know million dollar aircraft. Um, no. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Moose, did you have any uh, final theories or thoughts you wanted to share before we wrap up here? I do not. I think this was a pretty good summation. Okay. Of, uh, Covered everything. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then I'll ask you, Moose, what do you think happened with the Tic Tac UFO encounter? Do you think it was a real thing or what? I think it was real. And uh, I... I I don't know. That's I mean this is one of those things where uh, I just uh it's so high profile. I can see it going in a million different directions. I think they're I think uh the pilots and uh they definitely saw something. I think that we as we as the theme has been for this podcast, there are things that we do not understand and are a part of science that we do not understand yet and I think okay. that um what was witnessed that day and is witnessed, uh, you know, apparently pretty often by our military and others is part of a phenomenon that is, um, hopefully we understand one day, but yeah, I, I think, uh, 100%, you know, going back to percentages, I 100%, something did happen that day. We just, that we can't explain. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I 100% believe that this encounter happened and I'm willing to, take a step further and got on a limb and say that whatever it was was not of this earth i don't know if the entities that we consider to be aliens are actually extraterrestrials or if they're from another dimension or maybe even some sort of a spiritual being but i do believe that commander forever and the nimitz carrier group encountered something unearthly that day in november back in 2006 and i think that's where i'm going to leave it love it so everybody thank you so much to listening to spectral phenomena please remember to check us out on facebook leave us a rating leave us a, leave us a review on the podcast app of your choice we love being here with you we love talking about this stuff And we really hope you'll join us next week for a great discussion on yet another mysterious topic. And have a good night.
Good night, everybody. <laughs>